Luke has shepherds and the enrollment and the trip to Bethlehem. Matthew has the Magi coming from the east. The Gospel of Mark fast-forwards and begins Jesus at age 30. We don't know anything about anything that happened before that. John, in a very different way, begins this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light. He came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens every person, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of humans, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The word of the Lord. So picking up where we were 13 and a half hours ago, uh, I have a Christmas pageant story. The annual children's Christmas pageant was going well enough. Mary and Joseph came to Bethlehem right on cue. There they were met by the nine-year-old innkeeper in a bathrobe uh, who dutifully informed that though he would love to help out if he could, there was again this year no room at the inn. Sorry. But then he looked again at little Mary and little Joseph, and they actually did look pretty beleaguered. And this time, the pint-sized innkeeper blurted out, but there's a great hotel with cable right around the corner from the church. You could probably find a room there. That sent the pageant veering, of course, off track. That was not the way we know this. That's not the way the story of Mary and Joseph and the innkeeper is supposed to go. Or is it? You and I know how this story goes. Mary and Joseph come to Bethlehem for the government's enrollment, and there, because everyone was from out of town, there's no room at the inn, so Mary is forced to give birth to Jesus in a cow stall because there was no place for them in the inn. But biblical and Middle Eastern scholar Kenneth Bailey points out that what our Bible translates as inn in the Greek, and let's face it, why did you come to to church on Christmas except to hear me translate from the Greek. In the Greek, the Bible translates in kataluma, which literally means guest room. It's not an inn, it's not a hotel. Later, in Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan, the wounded man is taken to an inn, but that word is pandokion, that's inn. Here, Luke says that there was no room for Mary and Joseph in the kataluma, no more room in the family's guest room. So they had to be placed elsewhere in the home. The actual wording does not really say there was no room at the inn. Rather, there was no appropriate place for them in the family's guest room. 
In a typical Middle Eastern home, there's a designated room for anyone who is traveling, and especially for those from far away. It would be unthinkable in, to thinking of the high standard Middle Eastern culture had for hospitality that out-of-town relatives were shuttled off to the hotel around the corner or any place else by their family. Mary and Joseph were among relatives. They were back in Jerusalem because... Joseph was of David's line. The problem was undoubtedly many relatives were back because of the government's enrollment. And by the time Mary and Joseph arrived, the guest room, the Cataluma, was filled. And so they had to be placed in the next best place in the family home, which Bailey says would be this outer room where the family's animals were brought in for safekeeping during the night. Especially in cold weather, The family livestock was brought into this outer room where they stayed the night, and then they were led away back out in the morning, and the room was swept and used all day for other family activity. That's where the manger was, the feed trough for the animals. It was in this outer room of the family's home. So some of you are home for Christmas, slept last night, or you can remember the days when you traveled for Christmas and you had to sleep on the sofa in the living room or curled up in a sleeping bag somewhere in the house because there wasn't any appropriate place in the guest room. Uncle Oscar from Nacogdoches commandeered that room long before you got there. Well, that's probably the case for Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Rather than your family sending you away to some random Airbnb, because the family loves you so much and is also delighted to have everyone home for Christmas, they're giving you the honor of sleeping in a sleeping bag in the rec room. All of this puts the story of the first Christmas a little bit differently. Jesus was not born in the stable of some cold, impersonal inn but rather born in the front room of a home where aunts and uncles and other random relatives doted on the baby. For Mary and Joseph, these days among family must have been a particular treasure. Soon enough for them, too soon for them, there would be dark and difficult days. But for now they were home among family. When God incarnate Jesus himself was the most frail and vulnerable. When he was a baby, he was cared for in the context of home, safe amid all the mundane blessings of family. Some of you have made an incredible effort to be home for Christmas, or you have been joined by people who have made an incredible effort for Christmas, or you remember the days when you endured the hopelessly crowded airports and endured some last-minute detours to get everything ready. But last night, even on that fold-out sofa bed, the one with the bar running right through the middle of your back, as you sleep on the two-inch mattress... In the middle of all that, it felt good because you were home. Homelessness, it stays on the periphery for us most days. Unless something makes us, in a moment, come face to face with it. These folks who spent this Christmas not at home, but in a shelter around here, 
they could tell us a thing or two about home. Of course, in this sermon, I'm using home and homelessness as a metaphor for these texts. But can we pause for a moment and deal with the reality of it, not the metaphor of it, even on Christmas, especially on Christmas? Homelessness is a national disgrace. It's a faltering of Christian community to rise to the challenge that is right in front of us. Thank God for Community First and all our other mission partners and all the places just here in Austin that last night provided some safety, some protection, just a little bit of solace for the night. And as good as all these efforts are, we could double them, we could triple them, we could quadruple them, and still we would have neighbors who face each sunrise living a particularly poignant 21st century kind of exile. We need to continue to create spaces that allow for stable, accountable places for folks who are without a home so they can address whatever they need to address, just like you and I get the opportunity to address whatever we need to address in stability, and so they can move on with their lives in grace and freedom. That doesn't happen in a vacuum. We cannot do it for them, but churches like Westlake Hills, especially like us, with all that we have been given, we need to continue to step up and step out and stretch to confront this affront to what God's intentions are. You know, most of the Bible, if you think about it, is written by or for people who are getting ready to be homeless or who are in exile, or who are on some sort of journey between homes, or who are coming back from exile. Rarely is anything in Scripture written by someone who's just stable and everything is clear sailing. Most of the Scripture we read during Advent, leading up to last night, are prophets talking about home and homelessness and exile and homecoming. Beginning with the story of Adam and Eve, we are reminded that the human condition, our condition, as much as we like to paper it over, is one of exile. According to the Bible, we have alienated ourselves from the source of all our fulfillment and sincerity. In Jesus, the overwhelming purpose of our loving God is made clear. We have been cast out, but God seeks us in our exile, hunts us down, frankly, pursues us, calls us, suffers pain for us, and at last finds us, and rejoicing brings us home to God's heart. You see, Christmas is so much more than a baby in a stable. It's about being found by God. And it's being found in our particular place. God has chosen to be with us. Wherever we are, whatever we have done, whatever we haven't done. And in God's good time, we will be fully restored to our lost home. We climb back up into the lap of the one who loves us to be held and embraced and nurtured. Can anything feel better than that? This promise that we celebrate today at Nativity speaks directly to the child within us. We don't need psychologists to tell us 
what children fear most is abandonment. We don't need to be told that because as adults, what adults fear most is abandonment. There's no dread so terrible as the fear that everyone we know or love or depend on will go away and leave us alone. This describes exile. Painful exile. And God has a profound answer to it. The image of exile from Eden, and yet God making provision for Eve and Adam. Abraham and Sarah's call to go out from their people to pursue by faith something they can't see with the promise they will be made a great nation. Israel's bondage in Egypt and Exodus through the desert to the promised land. The children of of Israel weeping by the waters of of Babylon, the dry bones being called to life, the desert blooming, the promise of a new heaven and a new earth where every tear is wiped away. God understands beyond all knowing that we yearn for home. We long to belong. As Christian Mortensen has put it, home is not where you live. Or where you come from, but where folks understand you. Robert Foss famously once said, home is the place where when you go there, they have to take you in. But more than even that, Christmas, as Luke tells it, is not just about Mary and Joseph coming home safe in the Cataluma of family. It's not even about your or my homecoming at Christmas. It's about God. It's all about God, creator, redeemer, sustainer, prince of peace, savior, coming home to us. We couldn't get to God, so God got to us. Coming among us in the most mundane of our life circumstances, ordinary family stories that we cherish as nativity. What we call incarnation is somebody sleeping on the fold-out sofa downstairs in the rec room. The difference is that somebody is little God with us. Our God came out of the cold to dwell with us. That's the joy, and that's the hope. There aren't a lot of religions I know which would tolerate so much domesticating of the divine. Most faiths are scandalized by our faith in a God who takes on our flesh and is born among us as a baby, no less. When we sing, I'll be home for Christmas, we mean us. When Luke hears that tune, he hears Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us proclaim, I'll be at your home for Christmas. Why are many of you here this morning? Um, I mean, you get special points, you get express passes to God and all that for showing up on a Christmas morning. Actually, I think I can tell you, whether you could name this or not, why you and I are here this morning. Moving right into the middle of your family with its problems, its secrets, its brokenness, its silliness, its love and laughter, and the little joys of home, here comes God. I know that's why there is joy, because this God will stop at nothing to be at home with us. It's why 
The last part of the last book of the Bible ends in this great gush of joy. See, the home of God is among mortals. God will dwell with them as their God. They will be God's people and God's self will be with them. That's news like no other news. It's not news we can invent. It is glorious. This news is full of joy. It's abounding in hope. It is the spirit of the true Christmas. We are home at last. Thanks be to God. Amen.